Coming up on today's show, details on the new partnership between Sony and a AAA multiplayer studio. Dice 2021 happened, and we have got the down low on how to properly say Lady D's name. God. And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast. Your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. What is Christine Steiner is freaking out in the studio. Fly. There was a little gnat, and I saw him moving on the microphone, and then I was hoping you would see and smush him because you're good at it. Was uh, it Bartholomew? He lands- remember Bartholomew, Bartholomew the gnat? I do remember him, okay, but good. he lived with you, not with me. Well, maybe he caught he a one way. Oh, yeah. Rip. <laughs> Rip Bartholomew. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm one of your hosts, Andrea Renee. You've already met Christine Steimer. <laughs> Hello. And Brittany Braunbacher's also here. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, I'll never get I old. I love you guys so much. Whether this is your first episode or your 231st episode, we woof. are glad that you guys are here. Yeah, I'm woof. glad that you ladies are here. Welcome to the show, everybody. We've got a good one today. Quite a bit of news, which is why we're recording this on Thursday, because today Brittany and I streamed a watch along with the Dice Awards 2021. Mm -hmm. It was a very interesting show. (laughs) Uh, So we're going to get to the news in just a second, but I want to say thank you so much to this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, Marcus Ian Brown, Trevor Starkey, Mohammed Mohammed, Punctified, Program Alice, and welcome Excess Oddities to the Producer Club. And welcome to our Patreon community, Jill Toner. And shout out to all the current patrons who have upped their pledge in lieu of our pregnancy news and that we're going to be going on a hiatus. Don't forget, the month of May is going to be the final month of the Patreon for the summer. We'll be back in the fall. So if you want to get the rewards of that awesome divine membership, you got one more month to do so. Brett, have we showed the face mask for the April reward yet? I was legit just thinking about that. And no, we haven't, Sandria. That's my bad. But they're very nice. Well, here it is, everybody. I'm going to put it on screen. It's going to be very cool. If you remember to edit it in. If I remember to edit it in. Thanks, Steimer. That's a good point. (laughs) If I remember. What's the over-under on that? I don't know. 70-30. 73rd. That's not bad. Uh, if you guys want to be part of the show by submitting your questions, you can do so at patreon.com slash what's good games, where you could also get the show ad free in our epic membership tier. Brittany, it looks like we've got some new podcast reviewers. We do, Andrea. We have Dub who says, I've listened to two episodes and they are entertaining and fun. They do cuss, but as a tween slash teen, I recommend it. 
And I bring this up, ladies, because we were nominated on another list of best podcasts for teens on a oh my website gosh, again? called makeoverarena.com. And this is what they say about us. They Uh-oh. say, if your teens are into video games, which we're guessing they are, the What's Good Games podcast gets them off of their screens and listening to these clever female gamers, a rarity in the male-dominated gaming field, talking not just about their favorite strategies, platforms, and games, but other nerd stuff, as they say as well. Uh, nerd, nerd stuff. stuff. Nerd stuff. Uh, okay. Well, there you go. Thanks for we'll calling take us it. a bunch of nerds. There we'll you take go. it. We'll take it. Also, shout out to Weed User and Free to Play X for your fantastic five star review. Thank you. Thanks, friends, for taking the time to leave us a review. As we always like to say, if you can't toss a couple bucks our way on Patreon, no big deal. But hopefully you can give us a couple of minutes of your time leaving us a five-star review. And this week's show is brought to you by HelloFresh and Final Fantasy VII, a remake intergrade. But we'll tell you more about that later. For now, let's get into the news, starting with the Dice Awards 2021. So Britt and I streamed a watch along and there was an interesting format change. So Steimer, you didn't get to see any of this, right? Because you were working the whole time. I was indeed working. Um, so I saw approximately one minute <laughs> of this show. Wow. Just <laughs> one minute of the show. Yeah. So the hosts from the last four years come back for year five, Jessica Choba and Greg Miller. They're joined this year by Spawn on Me's Khalif Adams. I thought they all did a great job as per usual. Um, but what was interesting about what they did with the format this year is something we've really never seen before in a, an award show where they did these little mini round tables. So what they would do is they would take each category of of award like let's say it's you know like best animation or best mobile game right and then they would do a little round table with the people who were nominated in that category and talk a little bit about each of the games and about what that specific category means in terms of game development and i thought it was an interesting approach I did think it made the show drag on a little bit slowly though Britt, what did you think yeah, I'm with you. I appreciate, like I said during the stream, I think it's cool that you get to get some insider info from the devs themselves about what they were going for and how they landed the nomination in the first place and like their strategy and philosophy, etc. But I'm with you. It made it a little too long of a show. Typically, these shows go about, what, 60 minutes, and this one lasted almost two hours. So I don't know how that's going to translate to hopefully next year when we're all in the same audience, you know, and all in person, unless they kind of do some, like, 30-second. But when you have five nominees or four nominees, five, it looks like, you can't really get through all of those people without spending considerable time on that. So it was cool in theory, and I think it made sense for this year almost because we're all at home it's like what else are we gonna do I mean it was in the middle of a work day so like that was tricky for some people but um I think there was the time but I don't think this format would ever have worked in Las Vegas in the evening when we're all like let's get to the clubs let's get to the bar let's get to the after parties would have dragged on just a little too long and 
at the Dice Awards, when they're in person, not all of the nominees can make it to the right. awards. There's a lot of times where you'll get like ahead of a studio or even ahead of a publisher accepting on behalf of a team that couldn't fly a representative out to accept their actual award. So I think that was one of the benefits of the virtual format this year was that they were able to get all of the actual nominees on camera since they shot this over a number of weeks. So I think that that, uh, that part was great. So let's get to the winner, shall we? So normally, and we talked about this on the stream, whenever Naughty Dog is nominated for awards, they typically sweep most of the awards that they're nominated in. Mm -hmm. Not so at the Dice Awards Not 2021. No, the big winner of the evening, Hades from Super Giant oh, nice. Games. Yeah. Good for them. Taking home not only the game of the year category, but also taking home outstanding achievement in game direction, in game design, action game of the year. And there, wait, there was, there was, was the one independent, more, there? independent game. Indie game of the year. Yep. Yeah. It won Damn. a lot. Yeah. It was really surprising. And we were kind of taking bets at the end, you know, when they finally do the game of the year reveal. And at first I was like, it's either Ghosts of Tsushima or The Last of Us Part 2. And Andrea said, nay, nay, don't forget who won last year, which was Untitled Goose Game. And then other folks in the chat were bringing up the good point that Dice loves themselves a good little a good little title, a little indie title, if you will. I forget who votes on these. The members of the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, which is made up of developers. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. So let me see if I have information on interactive.org where you can watch all of these roundtables by the way if you were really intrigued by the conversation that Khalif was moderating with all of these devs they're going to be posting the longer cuts of those conversations on interactive.org which is DICE's website um, let me see here peer panelists Ooh. because the they're peer nominated and peer voted and so you have to be a member of the Academy in order to nominate and vote on the awards. Um, so it looks like they have a full list of all the panelists on the website. If you want to oh, wow. see everybody's, everybody's um, name. So it says the industry experts comprise an incredible body of accomplishments in all facets of game craft, including art, design, engineering, animation, performance, and production. The game makers determine the finalists and distinguish the awards from all others. Voting is conducted by confidential balloting and the integrity of the system coupled with broad-based voting population of the Academy's membership assures the award recipients are honored among peers. Yeah. So taking all that into consideration, at the end, I think we all agreed that Hades would win Game of the Year. And they did, which is wonderful. But another title that won a lot, too, which made me happy, was Ghost of Tsushima. They, uh, they took quite a few awards, I feel like. I'm trying to see how much they actually took. They took four at home. And one of those categories was Adventure Game of the Year. And I know they won several others. There was a lot of uh, categories, but Ghost did very well. It made me very happy. I think Art Animation or Art Direction, one of those, they won as well. I think Sound as well. Something like they that. Took so they took Sound. I remember they took um, Best comp Achievement in comp Composition and then Achievement in Sound Design. Um, mm -hmm. And let me just see if I've got the... Adventure Game of the Year. They want Outstanding Achievement Art Direction, Outstanding Achievement Original Music Composition, and Outstanding Achievement in Audio Design. Yes. Which I thought was, you know, fantastic. That game was great. I just, I was surprised that 
Tilu did not win more awards. I mean, they did win some, of course. They won two. Um, I believe they won Achievement in Animation. Let's see. They won. I have to go through all these. They didn't win first, but while you're doing that, let's see. They won Outstanding Achievement, yeah, in Animation. And they won uh, Outstanding Achievement in Story. Which, of course, you makes know, sense. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, but there were so many wonderful nominees. Each category was really filled with nominees that could have gone to anybody. Sometimes you'll get a category that's got like a clear front runner or a clear couple front runners. But <clears throat> because so many of these are peer voted, it feels like you get like a really robust selection of games. But also just a reminder that despite the awfulness of 2020, some really wonderful video games came out in 2020. So that's mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of categories and we could probably spend the whole entire show going through every single one of them. But shout out to Final Fantasy VII Remake for winning RPG of the Year. Good job. Nice. Yeah. Good job. You did it. You really yeah, did, did it. it. They did. It was deserved. At first I was looking at that category and it was Cyberpunk 2077, which just there's no way that game could have won, even though I didn't have no. that many problems with it. So many people had problems with it. Then it was fin- too broken for them to be even be nominated, quite honestly. So you had Final Fantasy VII Remake, Persona 5 Royal, Wasteland 3, and Yakuza Like a Dragon. All really great games, but I think when you really look at them, Final Fantasy VII Remake was the clear winner there. And I'm happy they won. For sure. Me too. That game was great. Well, um, I do want to talk a little bit about um, Brit's little Resident Evil corner before we talk about our first sponsor of the show. Oh so, boy. Britt, let's talk about... I love that you're actually in a news story. Uh, it makes me so happy. It was a slow day <laughs> for the game media Oh my that goodness. Day. Resident Evil Village may we may be all pronouncing Lady Dimitrisk's name wrong according to IGN while many around the world have already fallen in love with a 9 foot 6 inch tall vampire lady known as Lady D I'm just gonna say from Resident Evil Village we may have all been pronouncing her name wrong during the most recent Resident Evil Village showcase what's good games Brittany Brombacher was speaking about Resident Uh. Evil Village demo amazing (laughs) when she said something is telling me it won't involve casual tea time with Lady Dimitrisk now am I saying that correctly <laughs> That's the question, isn't it? Brittany, Andrea? help help me out. Help me out, Brit. <clears throat> okay. So I got a lot of feedback from people on the internet after that, wondering like, is that how you say it? So Dimitrisk, yes, Dimitrisk, according to Capcom, the U is silent. So because I asked, believe me, when I got the script, I was like, okay, how the hell do well actually, yeah, I was like, how the hell do I say this? And someone from Capcom sent back Dimitrisk. I'm like, okay, cool. Like I practiced it, I said it. Did the thing. Capcom approved it. We shipped it. Sold. Whatever. It's done. Um, But after I put that tweet out, I got a lot of people that were very, very angry at me, ladies. Um, Very upset. What? People mad on the internet? You You don't don't say. say. You don't say. (laughs) Um, And the reason for that is because the idea is that the thought, because of the currency used in the game, is that Resident Evil Village takes place in Romania. And... Dimitrisk, or however you want to say it, is a Romanian surname, and it originated there. 
And in there, Romania, you pronounce the the Q. So it would be Dimitriscu if you're going to say it the way that most people from the area think that you're supposed to say it. So I was like, I didn't engage with anybody because like, here's the thing. I just did what Capcom told me to do. They say jump, I say how high. It was that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it, and I'm still getting a lot of uh, a lot of hate from people on that. You know, it's just like one of those things. They're Surprising just bored, that one. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Like, if this is the worst thing that's happening in your life, is that someone on the internet pronounced a name the way you didn't like? I think you got a pretty good life. But also, like, people pronounce things differently, especially with regional dialects. Mario. Right, we were just talking about this. How Khalif Adams, when he was hosting a panel during the Dice Awards called Super Mario, Mario, which, you know, New Yorkers tend to do. And I get mad every time because Mario says his name a lot. <laughs> he says it just like I say my name is Andrea. Andrea. My name is not Andrea. Like somebody from a different region of the world might say Andrea, but that's not how I say my name. Just like it's not how Mario says his name. <laughs> it doesn't mean that there's not people out there that say their name Mario and go by Mario. And that's perfectly fine. No disrespect to all the Marios out there. I'm not saying that that pronunciation doesn't exist. I'm just saying the guy in Super Mario Brothers is not Mario. We have at least He's three Mario. Marios right now that are fucking raging. <laughs> they're so bad but yeah i mean it's a good point people yeah. still pronounce your name the way they want to pronounce it though like i've heard plenty of people call you andrea and i'm like yes mm-hmm. even people have known you for a while so call you andrea sometimes it's kind of interesting it's true yeah um so we'll see when the game comes out how people pronounce it all i know is if capcom flips and changes the dimitriscu they set me up they set they me did up. set they you did. up but it's okay yes. i still love them uh but yeah we'll see but anyway, that was just kind of a fun little tidbit that made a, again, it must have been a really slow news day because every outlet picked it up. And I was like, oh, boy, if only I had known what it's I was doing. It's because the clicks on Resident Evil are high whenever you put that that gorgeous lady in the thumbnail. You know this. Yeah, <laughs> especially when you're talking about like, ooh, how do you say her name? And everyone's like, tell me because I need her to step on me. We need people to rage in the comments for engagement. Drive that. <laughs> Drive those numbers up. Please. Uh, but Britt, there's another Resident Evil story that I'm going to let you take. Okay, so Resident Evil 4 VR gameplay and graphic changes revealed. This comes from IGN. So obviously Resident Evil 4 for Oculus was revealed during the last showcase, and we were told you would get all the juicy details, minus the release date apparently, uh, during the Oculus showcase. So what we learned, friends, is that Resident Evil 4 VR will run at a higher frame rate than the original 30 FPS, which that's wonderful because this game came out 16 years ago. Uh, I do understand that VR is a more limited platform, but Oculus did not specify a specific frame rate, but the Oculus Quest 2 can reach up to 70 frames per second depending on the game. Movement options include the ability to move in first person using the analog stick or using a teleport function that shows Leon running ahead of his position before cutting to your first person view you which i thought looks kind of odd um you you know if you're playing in teleport it's because moving fluidly can be very uh make you very dizzy in vr and mm-hmm. what happens when you teleport is you select like where you want to move to and it then shows leon running in third person to your inventory to your spot and then it changes back to first person i don't know if that's standard i haven't played any vr games that do that but that's the way they're doing it in this one but you can also play it in seated mode if you don't feel like running around 
that's cool. Uh, more than 4,500 textures have been either repainted or had their resolution increased. Enemy behavior has been rebalanced to better accommodate the new gameplay. And there's now the ability to grab alternate weapons off of your body rather than entering a menu. And weapons and items have been re-engineered to be physical objects you can interact with in the environment. So the example we saw in the footage, which is all pre-alpha, is you reach the handout, you grab a drawer, you pull the drawer out, and then you grab like a little box of ammo out of it, which I thought was just like really cool, <laughs> really exciting. Um, let's see, you can now dual wield weapons with your hands, cutscenes will be left intact in their original format, and character animations will remain untouched, and you can type on the freaking typewriter, which I thought was really cool. See, that's what I'm talking about, ladies. Is yeah. that is that typical? Andrea, have you played any? No. Okay. No, no. Typically, when you teleport in VR, um, you just teleport right. in first person. Like, <clears throat> you don't see your character model running to the location. It's an interesting choice. I mean, I guess since Resident Evil has so much third-person perspective, that they, they wanted to use those character models. But yeah. Yeah, I've never yeah. seen that in a VR game. Not to say it doesn't exist or hasn't been done, right. but I just personally, nothing I've played has used that. Yeah, I thought it looked a little a little odd. But anyway, this is uh, looking to be a nice, spooky, good time, Resident Evil 4 VR. I know, like I said in the last show, a lot of folks are really hoping for that HD remake, if you will, and I, I have a feeling it's coming. I don't know. I don't know any more than anyone else does at this point, uh, but I think Resident Evil VR looks very fun, and I'm kind of tempted to get an Oculus Quest 2 now. Kind of tempted. But the last Oculus Quest I got, I played for like, I don't know, maybe like a dozen hours. And now it just sits. So not Collecting totally sure. Collecting does. Because this is only playable on Quest 2. You can't play it on the original Quest? I believe that's the case. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Makes so sense. We'll oh, you know, you could just road trip and come visit. We've got a Quest 2. You're welcome to play it whenever you would like. All right. We'll just give John the kid. John can watch two babies. It'll be exactly. great. Exactly. He can double baby. It'll be great. It'll be great. <laughs> and then IGN had a five-hour preview on Resident Evil Village, and I just thought this was kind of fun. Andrea, you'll appreciate this, Simer. I know you're already noping out, so whatever. But Lady D and her three daughters in the roam the castle in real time and all, are always looking for you. So I assume. No, I know. Why? I know. I know. I, I'm with you. <laughs> I, unless the wording is just a little foggy here, but I assumed it would be like in Resident Evil 2 Remake where, you know, you do something or in 3 and then Mr. X or Nemesis will come after you. But it sounds like they're just consistently roaming, like stalking and looking for you, which no. sounds terrible. No. Yep. Nope. <laughs> also, here's the thing that always like it drives me crazy in games when like there's clearly a cutscene where they have you. They have you. If you want to kill me, just fucking kill me then. Why are you why are you stalking me in your house, you sick asshole? Like you're just like clearly like a cat playing with its food. Like I already caught you once, so clearly I am capable of killing you, but now I'm just going to slow stalk your ass throughout throughout my entire mansion villa. Mhm. Mm yeah. And it's if like I that do clip catch you, you tweeted with what? the woman with her with Lady D saying like you stupid man oh, thing. Oh, yeah, there's yeah. the clip. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that though. How she calls him a man thing. Like, oh, yes makes me laugh. that was funny but again i'm like you you literally you had me you yeah. literally had me you could have killed me right there could have been just, game over just kill me they like playing with their food obviously I don't enjoy that <laughs> don't do it <laughs> <laughs> this is why i don't play scary games especially because i'm just like Can't if deal. i were captured by somebody i would literally just be like just fucking kill me like i don't want to deal with any of the bullshit that comes after <laughs> 
I would rather be dead. Please stop. I don't even if you make it to the end, but you're impaled and you're like severely traumatized for life. I don't know if that's a good way of living. I don't know. Well, you're speaking the truth. You are. I'm with you. I don't know. I would never go there is what I'm saying. Smart. But that's been my little Resident Evil corner. Thank you for joining me. You're welcome. And this is where I tell you that this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh, you may be asking yourself? Well, with HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. It's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. HelloFresh offers 25 recipes to choose from each week with vegetarian meals on the menu or maybe if you want you can craft burgers and they've even got extra special gourmet options like the bavette steak with the grilled mushrooms and onions which is one of my favorite recipes in the gourmet options oh delicious there's something for everyone to enjoy with all the recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity hello fresh's fresh ingredients are sourced directly from growers and delivered from the farm to your front door in under a week contact free of course and over four of five HelloFresh customers say HelloFresh helps them lead a healthier lifestyle with delicious, low-calorie, carb-smart, and vegetarian options available each week. So we've been talking about HelloFresh a lot on What's Good Games over the last couple of months because it's helped us a lot in saving money on ordering from takeout services all the time. There's absolutely nothing wrong with supporting local businesses, and we 100% support that, but sometimes your wallet just can't afford it. <laughs> And it's fun to cook with each other. It's been great. Steimer's come over and, and cooked HelloFresh with us several times. And yeah. I know, Britt, you're getting your HelloFresh every Ooh, week. Yeah. I just made some crispy Parmesan chicken this Ooh, afternoon, actually. That sounds good. Oh, that so sounds good. so good. Mm. Oh, I think we have that one in the fridge. Mm. Mm. No, it's for dinner later. <laughs> Go to HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 12 and use our code What's Good 12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. If you want to test out America's number one meal kit, go to HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 12 and use code What's Good 12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Our next story is an interesting one because it's about PlayStation teaming up with some ex-Destiny talent to create an exclusive new AAA multiplayer title. So when this news came out, I was like, hmm, Sony's feeling the heat from Xbox, are they? Guess they're going to snag up some IP of their own. <laughs> so this little synopsis comes from Eurogamer. I'm just going to kind of like breeze over there and do some highlights for you guys. So they announced that they're teaming up with the new studio called Firewalk Studios, which is part of ex-Bungie boss Harold Ryan's probably Monster Studio Collective to create a new PlayStation exclusive AAA focused on delivering a, quote, memorable memorable that's the word <laughs> multiplayer moment hold on memorable multiplayer moments say that's that a tongue twister memorable <laughs> regrettably though that's pretty much it as far as specifics on that project we don't really know anything else um, but Firewalk was founded back in 2018, and it's a team with strong background in multiplayer games, which may just be a good nudge of anticipation up an extra notch for their debut title. So what do we mean when we say 
like a pedigree in multiplayer games. So Ryan Ellis is the game director on Firewalk's new project, previously served as the creative director on Destiny. That was a good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, studio head uh, Tony Shu was formerly general manager and senior vice president of Destiny at Activision. Executive producer Elena Siegman worked with Bungie, Irrational Games, and Harmonix. They all make great games. Um, and other team members have the likes of Mass Effect and Apex Legends in their CVs. It's a group that's, quote, no stranger to building memorable multiplayer experiences. Nailed I it. I they were going to say moments again, but they didn't. They did not. Ugh. Opportunity missed. Um, today's news follows, of course, Sony's announcement back in March. If you guys remember, that's when they announced they're going to be working with Assassin's Creed co-creator Jade Raymond's new company, Haven Entertainment, to create a new IP for PlayStation after she left Google Stadia, of course. And Britt, looks like we got a question. We got one from Nova. With the Firewalk Studios announcement, what is the type of multiplayer game you would like to see PlayStation have? These days, we're not exactly hurting for sci-fi multiplayer shooters, but I still wouldn't hate another one if they created an original world or setting. Thanks, ladies, for everything you do, and congratulations on your new potatoes. <laughs> Ooh, potatoes. Does that, does that recipe come with potatoes? <laughs> the, the chicken recipe? Mm, potato. Potatoes. Those carrots. <laughs> carrots and couscous. Damn. I mean, I like carrots, too, but yeah. Yeah. Potatoes are delicious. Anyways, back to the back to the, thing back to the question. Uh, I think that Sony is in desperate need for an original shooter. We haven't really seen much by way of sci-fi shooters from them really since, what, Resistance? As far as like AAA goes, they've done some interesting things with indie devs or even in the AA space, but like a big triple a shooter that was theirs like hmm. underneath sony interactive entertainment's umbrella first party yeah they really only had kill zone and uh resistance yeah i mean i guess kill, kill zone was technically the last one right yeah probably when ps4 came out let's see here. i never really cared about this game so i'm not gonna lie to you so <laughs> kill zone so i was like none yeah, of them i, I did care, not I care. care that's why i was very happy when they moved uh onto making um horizon I yes. was like, this is much more of a thing that I'm interested in. <laughs> and clearly, a lot of people were very excited about that as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. see. Which game was the final game? Yep. Yeah, Killzone Shadowfall came out on PS4. But, oh, man, Resistance. I don't even know if Insomniac is ever going to go back to Resistance. They're too yeah. busy. They've got a lot Spider-Man to do. Games. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> at this point, I feel like their schedule is booked. Yeah, and yeah. probably not with that. So, yeah, yeah, it is what it is. But this is interesting. I think mm-hmm. it's great. I think Sony very smartly is like, yo, we need to get some other AAA projects going to help you know round out our studio. They clearly have been crushing it with their first party games so far, both in the PS4 generation and now in the new PS5 generation. But you can never have too many good first-party games, am I right? That's true. I think also Jim Ryan, I think it was Jim Ryan, just said that they expect the PS5 to have the most exclusives out of any pl- and out of any generation ever because they're busy working behind the scenes to acquire Ooh, new IP and blah, blah, blah. Buying blah. up all the yeah. shit. Yeah. They see what Microsoft's doing. They're like, yeah. they're like oh. They're like, we are scared. Bring out, break out your checkbooks. <laughs> just like that, we are scared. <laughs> we, we are, we are scared. scared. We need to buy everybody or at least buy a game from them. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, more competition is great. More devs getting work is great. Yeah. Speaking. I think the, 
Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to do a segue and just it just bumbled. It fell down I'm the cracks sorry. of the elevator. I was it's just down in the basement. Talk about now. something really dumb. With, that's which fine. Is, the name of the studio collective is probably Monsters, and I think that's hilarious. Oh, I would totally, I would totally name a studio collective something stupid like that. Probably, probably, probably Monsters. Monsters. I like I it. I like it. <laughs> that's all. That's all I had to say. I'm so sorry that I killed your segue. No, for that it's okay. It, it wasn't a good segue. It was speaking of Jim Ryan. <laughs> so like, you didn't kill anything that was important. You could still do it, Brit. <coughs> Let's do it with yeah. Once more with feeling. <coughs> speaking of Jim Ryan, ooh, how's that? <laughs> I like that he turned into a ghost at the end. <laughs> PlayStation U-turns on PS3 and Vita store shutdowns. This comes from Eurogamer. So PlayStation has dramatically U-turned on its decision to shut down the PlayStation 3 and Vita digital stores following fan criticism. In a statement issued on April 19th, PlayStation boss Jim Ryan admitted, quote, it's clear that we made the wrong decision here. When we, f- when we initially came to the... <laughs> you don't say, Bob. <laughs> Is this really one of those things where they were like, let's just, let's just see if we can get away with it. Let's just try. And yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so here's, here's part of the statement. When we initially came to the decision to end purchasing support for PS3 and PS Vita, it was born out of a number of factors, including commerce support challenges for older devices and the ability for us to focus more of our resources on newer devices where a majority of our gamers are playing on. We now yep. we see now that many of you are incredibly passionate about being able to continue purchasing classic games on PS3 and PS Vita for the foreseeable future. So I'm glad we are able to find a solution to continue operations. However, and this is not a Jim Ryan quote, the PSP is getting fucked and still closing down on July 2nd. That makes sense to me. Yeah, it's old. It's old. It's okay for it's okay for it to go away. We have right. a Patreon question from Daquan Bynum. Do you okay. think this represents a true turning point for Sony as it pertains to them listening to their consumers? Or do you think this was just a good PR move to win back some cool points? Love you, ladies, as always, and may your pregnancies go as smooth as butter. Ah, thanks. Butter. butter. Uh, I mean, <laughs> hard to say. Because we also don't know how difficult it is to like undo this decision. We don't have a lot of, of you know look under the hood here. We don't really know how this car works. So it's difficult to really say whether or not they really were like, well, we want to make sure we want to move Bob. Bob is the one person who runs, who adds shit to PS3 and PS Vita. We really like Bob to work on something else. So we're going to shut this shit down. Mm. That's good. Like, I'm sure it's more complicated than that, but this is the simplification version. <laughs> and then the internet like exploded and they were like, well, I, I guess Bob could continue to do that. If it's really important to people, but like, here's what I will say as a company, I think it is a smarter move to not bend. If the internet is like flipping out and look at your data, how many people are buying now, if a lot of people are still buying, then yeah, don't shut it down. It doesn't make any sense. But if like, for whatever reason they could see, no one is interacting on those stores. I don't see why it would be a big, like, yes, people will get mad on the internet, but like sometimes people get mad mm-hmm. as we've discussed and I don't think that that is a reason to bend all of the time. I agree. I think that they probably saw a huge bump in sales because people knew that the store was closing yeah. and they were like, 
oh snap look at all these people buying up all these games maybe we should just leave the <laughs> store open but probably in another month it's gonna it's go gonna back to down. his go back. quiet ghost town as it was before but people just get anxious when you say you're taking something away forever yep and then they're like well i don't want that thing to go away even if they buy it and literally never play it it's the peace of mind of going i bought the thing i have it and have access to it mm-hmm. and that's something that publishers are going to have to manage in our ever you know digital encroaching future of like well at what point do you stop servicing these things that are not getting any activity but are costing money to manage on the back end and you know kind of balancing that cost with what the benefit is yeah like i i love that it's slightly backhanded in the sense that he's like we really wanted to like be focusing on new things or whatever but I guess you guys don't want us to do that. So <laughs> we're going to go ahead and like give you back your PlayStation 3 and PS Vita store. But it's kind of unsaid here where it's like that means like we're not going to be able to put as many resources towards the new shit. Like because that like everything is a trade off in business. One hundred percent. You have a certain number of budget for a certain number of people to do a certain number of jobs. And if what you have to do is divert a couple of those people to work on PS3 and PS Vita, I think PS Vita is the worst of those two deals. Um then you can't have them working on other shit. Like that's just how people have so in a finite amount of time. He's like, and, take your damn PS3 space. games. So he's literally like, take it, but you're not going to get the cool features of the PlayStation five. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> and it really is interesting to me how video games kind of feel like they're in an isolated silo when it comes to types of media that people get so upset about when they lose access to because you don't really hear a bunch of people being like listen where the fuck is my laser disc store all right i still <laughs> use my laser disc i want access to my laser disc don't you take away my laser discs away <laughs> you know it's just like it's gamers get so mad about everything we literally bought we, we like we train changed so many formats for movies right it's like yeah there, i mean i don't know how many people bought laserdisc but <laughs> it's like yes. it went from vhs to dvd to now yeah i've got like the 4k blu-ray like and people just like you bought the same movie like four times <laughs> and you were okay with it like there was no you're never like i mean you probably grumbled a little but yeah hmm. like, that was it that was the end of the story was you just bought it again I wonder why that is, why we get so possessive. Do you think it has anything to do with the extra intimacy of controlling the character in the game that you feel like you own it more than you feel like you own a movie when you're just watching actors? It's very possible. In this case, I think it's more of if I have purchased into an ecosystem, I expect that ecosystem to live with me versus like a VHS or a DVD and like those are all feel like fundamentally separated things. Um, Mm -hmm. So it kind of makes sense to you like to have to buy a new thing over and over again. Whereas if it's like, this is PlayStation, you're like, I already bought it on PlayStation and I bought it on the internet version of PlayStation. So the internet version of PlayStation should know that I bought this thing. Mm. Therefore I should be able to have it forever. Like, I think that that's just kind of the mental through line there um, versus anything else. But I I just, as somebody who has long been a lover of analog media, I don't understand why it's such a tragedy when the vast majority of the Vita PSP and the PS3 libraries are available in physical format still. Like the vast majority of those libraries are you can buy, you can find those games 
in like disc version or in card version, right? Which is not the case for starting with the PS4, right? There's a ton of games that came to PS4 as a generation that were digital only. And so if they shut down that digital storefront someday, then you do truly lose access to some of those games forever. And that to me is something that clearly all of the publishers are going to have to figure out a solution to. But like PS3, like almost everything on PS3 you could buy on disc. See, Andrea, this comes back to Steinmer, the Steinbacher's investment program that we were going <laughs> to ditch you and launch our whole new business on oh, how to invest and become on. rich. Um, yeah, you see, you buy all the PS3 physical games now. And then when the storefront gets shut down, and Simon, I'm realizing now that our business model is fucked because they reversed I mean, this decision. They might still take it away again. They will. <laughs> they, Maybe we'll have the same conversation two they, months from now. They might because the physical media is going up, 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 especially with all the collectors and whatnot. But um, yeah, so mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. We were like, yeah, and then you would own it, and then no one else would. Oh yeah, you were going to do our taxes. That's right. We weren't going to cut you out of yeah, it. Yeah, you. Yeah, you weren't yeah, kicked yeah, out. Yeah, you, no. We we needed you. Yeah. Oh, thanks. We were the we were we are the people who come up with the crazy ideas, and you are the one who like actually helps us. Run How do you make the money? Which is Sounds you know right. very true to real life. So <laughs> wonderful. I'm here to be the adult in the room. <laughs> Please, we don't know what we're doing. Well. Oh, man. Anyway, you can still buy your game. So get your panties untwisted, as Brittany likes to say. <laughs> um, all right. Let's, let's get this news segment uh, wrapped up. We've got just a couple more things here. Who here is into Battlefield? <clears throat> I can't do a cricket cool. sound. I, would make a, I was, I was I, thinking, <laughs> like, how do you make a cricket sound? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I can. No, I can try to insert a cricket sound. Uh, this year's Battlefield is the work of four different EA studios. Apparently, we got all of our news from Eurogamer this week. <laughs> yep. um, so you guys may have heard that whispers of a new Battlefield happened a few days ago, and then EA just came out and said, yes, we are working on new Battlefield. Obviously, we've got some details to share. So we've got DICE, Criterion, DICE Los Angeles, and Electronic Arts Gothenburg, which sounds like a made-up place. Sweden. But it's not. It's a real place. Um, They're collaborating on this year's Under Wraps Battlefield. It's, quote, the biggest team ever on a Battlefield game, according to EA. A fifth studio, Midnight Star developer Industrial Toys, is making an entirely separate Battlefield game for mobile devices that's going to arrive on smartphones and tablets sometime in 2022. Quote, we're in daily playtesting mode right now, polishing, balancing, and making the best possible Battlefield game we can. I can tell you it's a bold step, says DICE boss Oscar Gabrielson. It's everything we love about Battlefield and takes it all to the next level. Epic scale. All-out military warfare, crazy unexpected moments, game-changing destruction, massive battles packed with more players and mayhem than ever before, all brought to life with the power of next-gen consoles and PCs. Wow. (laughs) Whoa. Oh, my God. So it's interesting that they note in the Eurogamer article that this mention specifically of next-gen consoles ties to earlier whispers about Battlefield ditching PS4 and Xbox One, though EA is yet to confirm this explicitly. That would be a bold move for them to just say, sorry, hundreds of millions of people playing on last-gen consoles because you still can't buy new-gen consoles. You could only play new Battlefield on new stuff. That would be a bold move. Or your PC. I mean, Battlefield has always historically been a PC-dominant game anyway, but... I wish I cared more. 
I don't know if I've ever played a Battlefield game. Oh, really? Yeah. I've only played like tiny bits i feel like you would enjoy some of the campaigns i think i would knowing your affinity for call of duty campaigns. yeah i don't know why she's never never got around to it so andrea what does this do for you does it twist your panties i think what's really interesting is that ea has obviously struggled with their multiplayer games for the last (laughs) couple of years they've been on the struggle bus with the exception of course of apex legends which has been crushing it Mm -hmm, true um i think that Battlefield and Dice as a studio needs a good comeback moment. They've their hardcore fan base has been with them for a really long time, and I think it's no surprise that they have multiple studios coming in now to help them bring one of their most iconic franchises back into the spotlight. I think it's smart of them to say, hey, we want to bring in some expertise from some of these other studios. Obviously, take advantage of everybody that's under the EA umbrella. But they really got to nail it and they really got to show that they've learned from some of their previous mistakes and some of the more recent iterations of their big, splashy multiplayer games that we've seen. And I think with the help of Dice Los Angeles, which of course is led by Vince Ampella, who (laughs) also (laughs) leads Respawn, who created Apex, I think that that could hopefully help them look at ways to monetize within their multiplayer ecosystem in ways that are going to be more consumer and more community friendly than before. But I mean, when they talk about game changing destruction, that's what Battlefield is known for, right? Um, They're, whole thing is like we're going to give you these giant cool maps and we're going to have all of this environmental destruction or we're going to bring in all kinds of cool vehicles and make it these really large-scale battles on a battlefield (laughs) and i think the technology within the new consoles really is going to give them an opportunity to do something really cool and bold but we just got to see it you know i'm Mm -hmm. curious about this mostly because uh dice los angeles seems like the odd man out in terms of time zones (laughs) yes um (laughs) Because like, okay. everybody else is everybody in else is in Europe. <laughs> Dice is Stockholm. Gothenburg is Gothenburg, Sweden. Um, Criterion's in the UK. Like, and then you got all you, you poor sods. And so their team meetings the are terrible. Is what you're saying? Yeah. What I'm saying is the people in LA are waking up very early to meet with people at the end of the day in Sweden. And that's not at someone who does that frequently. It's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. That's what you get for working with other studios in different time zones, I guess. Yeah. I mean, because whenever I see um, collabs for, for like Call of Duty, a lot of those studios are still on the West Coast. <laughs> like it's all just somewhere around the same same time. Makes sense. It's easy to do. And I, I, again, most of those would actually be fairly easy to, to collab with. It's just like, again, poor Dice Los Angeles just out there, <laughs> <laughs> out there hanging out. They're fine. They're making their money. They're doing okay. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that they're all fine. Yes. But I did think it was interesting that he says that we're in daily play testing, polishing, and balancing. That, to me, means the game is pretty far Mm -hmm. along. And we could potentially see a 2021 release date in the fall for this new Battlefield with maybe a reveal around E3. Obviously, EA has has been doing their own thing outside of e3 for quite some time now yeah this still yeah around the same time i don't know if this story specifically mentioned it but as few other headlines i saw about battlefield today said that a reveal is imminent so i mean that makes sense well yeah obviously better be (laughs) (laughs) we're not gonna talk to you about it it's we're gonna shadow release this yeah they're like we're gonna gonna talk about our game one day that's what they did with apex 
right? Oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> Fuck, that's true. They were just like, here's a bunch of streamers playing the game, and, and now the game is out. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> that well. was a different studio, although, you know, Vince technically is involved in that, too. So who knows? Who could say? Who could we'll say? Out. We have a couple quick, in case you missed it, bullet points from the last week. In case you missed it, CD Projekt Red revealed that it has processed 30,000 refund requests for Cyberpunk 2077. Does that number surprise that, you all? It does. That's like very low. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I had said that I was curious if this number includes the request process directly through the platform. Because we know that both PlayStation and Xbox were also processing refund requests for the game, not just CDPR. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to check the story and see if that number includes refund requests from the platforms. I don't know if it does. It says CDPR um, calculated the number based on the roughly 2.23 million spent on its Help Me Refund program when it launched soon after the release of Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, the process proved chaotic. I don't know if it actually says or answers that question. Hmm. But yeah. So, I mean, again, like 30,000 seems incredibly low to me. I think they sold 13.7 million copies in yeah. 2020. So, I mean, it's. Again, I mean, grand, like, yes, everyone had a right to be upset. Um, it's just funny, though, because, you, you know, you hear about all the, the commotion and da, 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 and then you look at the actual numbers and it usually doesn't correlate. It's almost yeah. like vocal minority is yep. still a real thing. That's kind of what I, I mean. I, obviously, I had my issues with it as well, but that's kind of what I was even insinuating with the them flipping on the store thing. I'm like, you really need to, I mean, as much as it might pain you on the Internet for a bit or people will continue to bring it up for the rest of their lives because they just have nothing better to do. Um, at the same time, like you have to make data-informed decisions as a business. So I worry that basically the lesson learned here from CDP is like, that was fine. Technically, like that did not hurt them. PlayStation probably could have left it up on the store. Yeah. But like that's why I'm curious if those numbers include it because clearly PlayStation was processing enough refund requests that prompted them to remove it from the store. Mm-hmm. I think they were, or maybe they were just scared about the way <laughs> about of, the, of requests about that could the, come like in. a looming tsunami <laughs> coming their way or not. And they were like, oh, we don't know. So we're just going to turn it off and we'll see if that helps. It's like when your toilet water starts to rise and you're not quite sure if it's going to overflow. <laughs> you just turn the water off real quick. You oh, I've never done that. I haven't either. You've never, oh, really? No. Oh, shit. Yeah, you've got to like. I just ride the lightning to see what happens. <laughs> You know, I do move my ready. rug. You know, any rugs in the bathroom? I'm like, quick, move, the, move the things that can soak with water. Oh, that was like the first, one of the first things my dad taught me was like, Uh-oh. here's how you turn the water off on your toilet. It's like, Smart. great things. That's a useful life skill. That is yes. useful. Good job, Mr. Steimer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, up next, Overwatch director Jeff Kaplan is leaving Blizzard after almost 20 years. But have no fear, Overwatch 2 still in development, everybody. Yeah, a lot of people were uh, saying very nice things about Mr. Kaplan on Twitter. He's a liked, well-liked man. He did a, a lot of really great things overseeing the development of that game. Obviously, that game was really phenomenal. Continues to have a fantastic audience. People very anxious and eager about Overwatch 2. No surprise that nothing's changing about the development of that game just because... The leader left. That happens semi-frequently. But there has been some rumblings mm-hmm. that, you know, we've seen a couple of these high-level people at Blizzard noping out since Activision has taken a more 
forceful role in their development. So I don't know if that's related or if it's just anecdotal. I mean, Bobby Kotick's a sociopath, so... I mean, yeah. Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame them for being yeah. like, mm, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not the place I want to be. Maybe I cash out my shares and I go, you know, work on my own indie studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or honestly, he could probably retire. But yeah, I mean, do whatever you want to do. Whatever makes you happy. Almost 20 years is a long time. It yeah. is. That's a long time in to be in anything. Games? Yeah, especially. Yeah. Mm. Dealing with internet trolls. Ugh. Ugh. Can't, de- can't even think. No, thanks. Oh, and lastly, Britt, you added this one. I have no idea what this story is about. Okay. I just thought it was kind of silly. So Nintendo of America and its president, Doug Bowser, are suing hacker Gary Bowser. Because, you know, why not? Who's hacker Gary Bowser? So hacker Gary Bowser, I don't know if we actually covered this, but early last year, maybe late last year, he, Gary Bowser is currently in prison because he was arrested <laughs> and charged with 11 okay. felony accounts because of their pirate ring that they run. Um, And so Nintendo just filed another civil lawsuit for two trafficking counts and one copyright violation because he runs an international pirate ring and they're looking for $2,500 for each traffic device and $150,000 for each copyright violation because Nintendo does not fuck around with their shit. As we've learned, we've covered them that many time on here. But I just thought it was kind of funny that like, you know, this guy. That the Bowsers are fighting? Bowser's are fighting and one Bowser's in Bowser, prison. That ba- one thing. Bowser was illegally shilling Nintendo and the other Bowser runs Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Pretty much. You got two Bowsers going at it. One Bowser on the good side of things. One Bowser on the bad side of things. But yeah, the, the bad Bowser has been known to do some pretty shady shit with Nintendo since like the 3DS. And now he's been doing stuff with the Switch. He finally got arrested and charged with 11, 11 felony counts. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Do you think this is like one of those sliding door situations where it's like alternate universe versions of each other based on their upbringing and like this this kid went to prep school and rode horses and he became the CEO of Nintendo and like the other one I don't know was just left in the street and like then became a hacker. Who knows? Who knows? What is this planet we live on? I don't know how it operates. Selling ROMs to survive. Yep. Selling selling (laughs) knockoff switches. In the back, hey, kid, you want to buy a Switch? (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't fit in my pocket. (laughs) Yeah, just don't don't illegally do shit with Nintendo shit. Like, it doesn't end well. I think we covered this story in 2018 with some love emulators, and they got, like, 12 million from them, too. Just just don't do it. Yeah, Yeah. Nintendo doesn't fuck around. They'll find you. Yeah. Yes. That's like, I feel like their lawyers are just combing the internet. Mm-hmm. All, all the time constantly all the time and that's gonna do it for our news segment for this week we are gonna take our first break of the show when we come back we're gonna talk about what we've been playing stick with us everybody we'll see you in a minute and now it is time for some announcements <laughs> Sounds kind that of That went in a direction I was not expecting. <laughs> Her and I were like up, up like peppy and stuff. And then you were, and then you're like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, hormones do weird things to you. Um, I still have in here number one that Andrea and I are super pregnant. Surprise. Uh, if you missed our announcement from last week, we are going on a temporary hiatus for the month of July, no, June, July, and August. So if you are expecting a show every week, it ain't going to happen. Sorry. But we'll be back in August, in August, in weekly shows. It'll be fantastic. But more relevant, 
the Dice Word Watch Along list today, Andrea, and you can watch our VOD on twitch.tv slash whatsgoodgames and youtube.com slash whatsgoodgames. I also admittedly forgot to put up the Resident Evil Watch Along, but that will be up there by the time you listen to this podcast. That is my it's promise It's all good. To you. They can go to Twitch and watch it. If I fail, I'm sorry, but there's not much more I can do for you. But give you my word. And finally, April's Patreon streams are this Saturday, April 24th. The Happy Hour Q&A kicks off at 11 a.m. Pacific. And the podcast recording for Legendary Patrons and Above will kick off at 12.15 p.m. Pacific. The reason the time is so specific, my friends, is because I am getting my second COVID shot at 2 p.m. that day. So I have to make sure I get to my little appointment on time. Very excited. Yeah. About that. Yeah. I definitely had weird deja vu where I was like, we already did this. <laughs> No. And then I remembered, yes, because we had to make up for March. For March when I was gone. <laughs> yes. I was just like, I literally had a moment where I was like, did I relive? Am I reliving this month? Did we already do this month? Is this a simulation? What's happening? What's happening? It, no one It knows. is. Exactly. And, true. And that's it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the second segment of the West Good Games podcast, where we talk about what we've been playing and any preview events we've been to. Preview events, preview events, whatever. I don't know what I just said, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but first, I am here to tell you that this segment is brought to you by Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrade. So ladies and gentlemen, grab your weapons and join the resistance because Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrated for PlayStation 5 is here on June 10th. The shadowy Shinra Corporation is draining the planet's very life force all for their own gain. The mercenary Cloud Strife teams with Tifa, Barrett, and Aerith to take Shinra down. Whether they succeed depends on you. We are so excited for Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade. It is the definitive edition of the award-winning Final Fantasy VII Remake. Intergrade comes with so many expanded graphical, gameplay, and system enhancements. We're talking improved lighting, crisper backgrounds, more realistic textures. Intergrade brings the game visuals to a whole new level. Plus, you can switch between graphics mode and performance mode depending on whether you want 4K or super smooth action with 60 frames per second. Plus... Yes, there's also A+. The game comes bundled with episode intermission, a brand spanking new episode featuring Wu-Tai ninja Yuffie as the main character, where she'll conspire with Avalanche HQ to steal the ultimate materia from the Shinra Electric Power Company. You can pre-order Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate today by going to sqex.link slash remake wgg that's sqex.link backslash remake wgg pre-ordering through our special link helps what's good games thanks friends and normally we don't talk a lot about video games and our sponsorships but we all were such big fans of this game when they reached oh, out yeah. to us about wanting to work with them we were like yes please that game was great yeah mm -hmm. we can endorse that and so if you missed it when it originally came out, now's your chance to play it with a new coat of paint on it. Mm. I like the way you said new coat of paint. I don't know why, but I, I like that. Whatever. All right, let's talk about what we've been playing. Brittany, you've been playing quite a few different things this week. So let's start with you. Which of the things that you've played do you want to begin with? Hmm, I can talk about some judgment. Judgment Remastered. All right. All right. So Judgment Remastered, first of all, thank you very much, Sega, for this review code. 
I'm kind of in this th- this phase, ladies, where I just want to play games that I know I like and the games that make me feel good. I very rarely go back to things that I've already played, let alone Judgment, which was one of my favorite games of 2019 that I think I spent like 50 to 60 hours on. But it just sounded real good right now. So I happily took the review code for the remastered edition. So this is developed by RGG Studio, and it was exclusively for PS4. It released in Japan in 2018 for the US in 2019. But now the remastered version is coming to Stadia, Xbox Series S and X, and PS5 on April 23rd for a whopping $39.99. So it's not the full price of the game. And this game, again, from the creators of Yakuza, RGG Studio, follows the private detective Yagami, who once was an attorney and some shit went down with a case that he tried. And now he's like, well, I got to make some money. I'll just become a detective. And I'll try to figure out why all these people are ended up dead in Kamurocho. And then there's your story. So this is a remaster. And um, it this game, again, came out in 2019. So don't expect like anything too bonkers when it comes to how much better it looks. But there are obviously better visuals. The lighting is better. You can get 60 frames per second. And the loading times are now super quick. Like two seconds quick. Very, very quick. Like can't read the tool tips quick. There are no tool tips, so you don't have to worry oh, about it. Great. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? That's kind of a downside to all these fast loading screens. Um, but again, like, I know I'm not going to rehash everything, but I think if you are a fan of the Yakuza games, that you would absolutely love Judgment. You do see it through the lens of a detective. So you're kind of on the other side of the streets. Uh, you're not a gangster. You are like a law-abiding citizen for the most part. Um, there are some d- different aspects because you are a detective in the sense that there are tra- or tailing scenes where you have to tail a, a suspect. I think that's probably the weakest of all of them. It's there. You don't have to do it too often. It doesn't take too long to do, but it's a thing. There are times when you need to survey a crime scene through the first person perspective. It's fine. Like all in all, like the detective aspect and the little like gameplay mechanics that go along with that are like whatever it is what it is. But it has a lot of the same quirkiness as Yakuza. But I would say it also has kind of a more serious storyline because it's, you know, I don't know why, but it's just the way it is. It's just the way the story is written. That said, there are some wacky-ass quests where, example, you have to fight someone who steals panties, and this person gets more powerful by sniffing the panties that they steal, and you have to this take... Correct. <laughs> this sounds correct for these developers. Uh, <laughs> Andrea, yes? I have questions, but continue. You know what? Just, just keep going. Just normal. keep going. This is normal. This is normal. Um, I will say, if you did play Yakuza uh, Judgment on PS4... There is no way to transfer your save file over to PS5, so you can't really get like a new Game Plus experience, but you you do get all the DLC. So what's nice about that is in part of the DLC that you get, there are these little things called essences, and you can equip them, and it's like essence of one-hit kill, essence of explosion, essence of shockwave, and it gives Yagami these crazy powers that let you just kind of like mow through the enemies, which is wonderful because I personally didn't want to have to spend all the time doing the fights and the grinding. Blah, blah, blah. I just wanted to go through all the story. And because you do have these essences, you can equip some that refill your health as well. It makes it a lot more approachable, um, especially if you're like, I don't really care about the combat. I just want to experience the craziness of the story. That's a route you can go as well. But um, yeah, I mean, like, I'm loving playing through it again. I know for some people it might be a little too early because this game just came out a couple years ago. 
But if you have a not-so-great memory like me and you forgot a lot of the plot twists and turns, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's like playing a new Yakuza game all over again. Summer, I think you played nice. this a little bit, didn't you? Like a little, little bit? Mm, did I? I thought I don't, you did. It, it's possible. Well, I thought you played some of Judgment too, but maybe you were playing the actual Yakuza franchise instead. I think I was playing something from actual Yakuza. Mm, mm. Um, but it's also, again, it's a, it's very possible. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I... I don't retain information very well, so it's 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 possible. But yeah. It didn't, although I don't think so. I don't know. I maybe, maybe I, you, maybe maybe I was like, going to. Maybe I was interested in going to and then just never got around to it. That sounds like me. Yeah, that could be it. Either way. Either way, it's a good time. So if you love Like a Dragon and you're feeling a little intimidated by the seven other games in the Kiryu storyline, you could always hop into Judgment and uh, get a taste of what the other Yakuza games are like. Because more or less, it's kind of the same thing, just a different coat of paint. Yeah. It's really, yeah. It's a good time. That's what husband. All right. It's a good time. Well, I wish I had something more exciting to <laughs> tell you that I've been playing, but both Steimer and I have just been playing more Outriders. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel true. like I've been making some decent progress, though. I'm up to level 23 now. I don't remember where I'm at. I'm not going to lie to you. You're okay. almost there then, because level cap's 30. So, Yeah, I'm making my way, um, but I'm only at world tier 9. And when you told me last week that you and Jason were on world tier 14, I was like, holy balls, <laughs> that's really intense. It was. It, it gets very intense. We actually finished it. Um, we played through the last 25% of the game, I'd say, in world tier 15, because that's when we unlocked it. But then when you get to the final fight, it did the thing where there's just no way in God's green earth that we could have finished it on 15. Jason somehow built a tank pyromancer. I don't know how he did it, but he was huh. untouchable. There's a tree in the middle of the pyromancer skill tree where you can spec health. Um, they're called these like magma clusters or thing, I think, um, where you get like a 10% like health buff. Yeah, he did Forever something. when you unlock and so I've been doing that, too, because I've been playing a lot by myself because I really enjoy watching the cutscenes. because I've been actually pretty impressed with what I've seen from People Can Fly with the cutscenes. And I think the narrative is actually becoming more intriguing as I go along. And when I play with people, everybody's higher level than me. And they're just like, skip, skip, skip the cutscenes, uh, And I'm like, no, I'm trying no. I'm trying to like, enjoy the story. <laughs> yeah, that's why Jackie and I, it's nice because we're both like, we pretty much just play together and we're playing at the same time. So we don't have that issue. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I really like this. I, I've, I've talked about a lot about Outriders in the sense that in the beginning, I was really super duper into the story. I thought it was really interesting. But I found toward the end, and maybe you'll discover this as you guys get toward the end too, that it relied too much on walk up to this piece of paper and your outrider will read something out loud. And like these huge like plot points where you think they would hit and be really sticky. They just felt kind of like haphazard because she would just Mm. like read something. And you're like, I think that's a kind of a big deal, but I can't be sure because it just wasn't handled in such a way. But I wonder if they just like ran out of budget at the end. It kind of felt like that. Oh, we didn't, we forgot to make this (laughs) cutscene. Yeah. Like we put all of this energy and effort into cutscenes in the beginning of the game. They're like only 5% of the player base is ever going to see the end game. Ain't that the truth? Let's just save some money. (laughs) Honestly, not a bad, again, it's a data (laughs) driven decision. They're like, we know people don't finish these games. I would love to see the stats because one of the interesting things about Xbox achievements is that they kind of show you 
uh, exactly how many. And like PlayStation does it to an extent, but I feel like there's a little bit more visibility because they're like this many of the players yep. have, have you unlocked, know, unlocked this. this achievement. And I'm like, dang, some of the things that I would think would be normal achievements for like finishing the game, like sub 10% every time, mm-hmm. even sub 5% a lot of the time. Yeah. And uh, that must be so disheartening for developers who put so much energy into building these campaigns and narratives to know that the vast majority of people who buy their game are never going to see the end of it. Yeah, especially when everyone seems to put such a focus on replayability. You always hear everyone ask about that. But if you look at the stats, like Sam said, a business or a data, data-driven decision, eh, not a lot people of people even finish the game. what they want. Yeah. yeah. Period. End of sentence. Full stop. Like, they just don't fucking know. They're like, I want this. That's why when people always complain and want backwards compatibility, the data, like, Nobody uses backwards, and I'm someone's gonna be like, "Excuse me, I use it." So oh, not, and they will not Don't literally worry. nobody, but co- like percentage wise, nobody uses backwards compatibility. So it's really just more of like a thing to put on a box to get people to be quiet than anything else. Mm. That's sad but true. Like the we t- I mentioned the vocal minority when we were obviously talking about the Resident Evil story in the last segment, but. It's interesting how those people in that minority are so impactful in some of the decisions that get made. Because as you mentioned, the people at the publishers are like, I just want to shut them the hell up. Yeah. So just like give it to them. It's not going to cost us that much more and then they'll get <laughs> off our backs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'll be... I'll be curious to see how the story comes together, um, but still been having a pretty great time, you know, dismantling my gear, learning about the mod system. I finally got my first piece of legendary Ooh. gear, which is exciting. I got now, a legendary you, weapon. Did nice. you get it in a drop or a quest? Um, I think it was from a quest. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I won't like hijack this conversation, but I finished it and I played the majority of the game before the new patch came out where they balanced the legendary drops. At least I'm pretty sure that patch has come out. And before that, I had maybe found like five or six legendary weapons and some armor and it was really cool. But after that, even on World Tier 15, I did not get a single legendary drop and it was it just sucked. Because I feel like part of what makes this game so much fun is the gear that you find and the loot you find and the different mods. But it's like they saved all of that for the end game, which is such a, a bizarre decision. And I personally yes. don't find the end game to be that compelling, especially not enough to grind for legendary gear when it's like, well, I could do these expeditions, but I want what I really want is story content. And right. <laughs> but well, and that's the interesting thing that we always talk about when it comes to RPG uh, gear chase. No matter what kind of RPG you are, is that they save the coolest stuff a lot of the time. For like when you're a hundred hours plus in yep. and then you're like, you get it, the thing. And then you're like, okay, now I'm done playing. And now I can't use the cool piece of gear, which is why right. I loved how yep. Horizon Zero Dawn did it is that they had this, a couple of really cool high-end gear sets that you didn't have to wait until the end game to go chase. It was your choice if you wanted to wait, but they gave you the tools to go chase it like mid game, mm-hmm. which I thought was really great because then you got to use it <laughs> for yeah. the end game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, unless it is a is a you know shared world space similar to like a Destiny or whatever, where it makes sense to part of the gear grind is the experience at the end. But in this case, like it doesn't really really work that way because it's still a sing like could right. be a single player game or you know at least just like a barely co op game. So I don't really know why you would 
like why you necessarily would care as much right it's not mm-hmm. like you're really there's no like, pvp element that they need to be worried about like balancing for right. it's like why hold the good loot it's, yeah it was the same just, problem i had with the division i got really frustrated with but at least they do have a pvp element there that they had to balance against but yeah. like exotic gear in the division just like never dropped they obviously changed their drop rates as well mm-hmm. in a subsequent patch of that game so I hope that people can fly are listening and saying like, hey, like, yeah, d- don't be so stingy with the good gear. Give me the good stuff. Yeah. I want to look cool. Yeah. yeah. That's the whole point of playing. Don't want to look like a frump in this poncho. Yeah. <laughs> so many ponchos. So, so many, many half ponchos. So few capes. So many ponchos. Yeah, I never saw. I, the only cape I saw was on Greg. And I was like, how'd you get the cape? <laughs> I got one cape, but it was like a ratty cape. It had like a bunch of holes in it and stuff. Yeah. Mm. So I was like, hmm. Mm. Not quite cool enough. No. Anywho, Britt, you have also played a couple of other zombie-focused things. It's now the zombie hour. It's the zombie hour. Yeah. I'll talk about the Resident Evil demo because why Obviously. Uh, Yeah, so Capcom did this, like, weird, bizarre demo that was only available for, uh, like, what was it, eight hours or something like that. Um. So the first PlayStation demo was available for PS4 and PS5, and it was available on April 17th to April 18th from 5 p.m. to 1 a.m. Pacific. And uh, if you forgot about it, you're kind of fucked for now. Um, And it gave you 30 minutes max in the village of Resident Evil Village. And it was... uh, really gorgeous so i thankfully remembered at like the last minute i almost forgot but i didn't and i don't want to get into too much too much of the nitty-gritty here because you know like it it, it is kind of spoilery and there are going to be more options for people to play it if they want to um regardless of platform on may 1st um but anyway so it looks stunning and the demo starts off with you in the village looking for your little daughter rose I'm sorry, if your name is Rose, there's a chance your daughter is kind of probably fucking freaky. Like, scary. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's, there's no, something no going on. No offense to any Roses no, out there. I'm sorry, but, but you're like, probably uh, creepy. You might AF. end up in a white gown with black stringy hair, like, draped across your face. Like, I've just seen too many horror movies. I'm sorry. Um, but I got to mess around a little bit with the crafting. I got to shoot some lichens, and that was fun. And it was a really creepy moment because there's this tall grass in a wheat field and you can hear them, but your vision is, you can't see shit because you have all this tall grass around you. And it was just done in such a way that made me feel like borderline claustrophobic, which I don't think I've ever experienced in a game before, but because of how realistic the sound design is and the graphics and everything else, it was just incredibly well done. Um, You got to interact with a lot of the villagers in the game. And again, I won't talk too much about them because holy shit, some shit goes down. And my problem with the demo, though, is as much as I loved it, as much as it sold me on the game more than I was like already sold on it, and this is kind of the general consensus I've gotten from a lot of people, is it's only 30 minutes, and it's such a bizarre choice, and I don't understand why. I still don't understand what the point of that is, because I feel like you know you can make a start and you can make an end, kind of like how Maiden was, and kind of uh, you know, for example, the last, the first demo that came out. Because I was looking for, ladies, the toilet paper of Resident Evil 2 Remake in this village demo. <laughs> I, I just Not loved, surprising. I just love staring at everything and looking at all the details and trying to like put two and two together of, okay, so I know this from this trailer, I know this from this trailer, but I see this here and kind of connecting the dots. And that's part of the joy of Resident Evil. And 
Um, I spent only, only probably like seven minutes gawking at stuff, but uh, it was seven minutes too long because I wasn't able to finish the demo, unfortunately. Um, but again, like if you have the opportunity to play it when it comes out on all the consoles on the 24th, you should. There's another second PlayStation demo that's coming on April 24th, um, if you're Pacific, from 5 p.m. to 1 a.m. And this time you get to explore the castle, and I think that's when Miss Lady D is going to be uh, stalking you throughout it. So. With all her sisters. Wait, so they're doing another Daughters. timed demo? Yeah, this is their part of their PlayStation partnership, I'm assuming. Um, yeah, so it's it's another 30-minute timed demo on the 24th that lets you go inside the castle. Now, on May 1st, from 5 p.m. to 1 a.m. Pacific, again, you have one hour, but you can either spend it in the village or the castle, or maybe both, because the demo ends in the village when you accomplish a certain, when you figure out a certain puzzle, and then I think then you get access to the castle. And I think in the one-hour so demo... could you be done... With the 30 minutes before the 30 minutes? Yeah, you could. Technically. Would it still let you wander around or would it kick you out? I, I don't know that actually. I, I okay. saw some people play and they were posting their gameplay that was like 22 minutes long. So that makes me mm. think that maybe you can finish it. Yeah, um, because in the first demo, right, if you open that one door at the end and you don't, when you play it the first time, you don't know like solving a puzzle and, and moving forward is going to like hit that end screen because right. I ended up turning around and going backwards through the entire level because I didn't realize I had to examine the thing that I picked up because I'm not a Resident <laughs> Evil pro like you are, Brittany. And so I was like, oh, clearly I must have missed something because something's not triggering uh, to go to the next stage. And so I literally walked all the way back through the entire level and I had to go all the way back because I was like, clearly I missed something. Where yep. is it? <laughs> and then pocket. I got yeah, and then I like got back out, and then I was like, "Oh, I bet you I didn't, I didn't examine the thing." Turns out, examine the thing, you get the clue, you get the thing, you open the door, and then the yeah. demo's like, "Thanks for playing," and you're like, "Well, I guess it's over now." <laughs> guess that's it. Yeah, at least that maiden demo wasn't timed, but um, yeah, yeah, I bet these are. So, I mean, they did this with Resident Evil Two Remake, so it's not like something they haven't done before, but it's a choice. But, you know, it sounds like people, it's selling people on it. I guess that's the point of it. It drums up hype. You know, get this limited time thing. But depending on where you live, the timing could be really shitty. I can't remember which country it was, but it was the work day in the middle of the day. And so, like, no one could get to it because it started at, like, 11 p.m. that night. And then it ended at, like, 4 a.m. the next day or something like that. I don't know what it was, but that's not eight hours. But that's fine. That's, that's That would be sad. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird that it's not rolling in the time zone. It's not like localized because yeah. clearly they can tell which region you're accessing it from. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just make it time locked to whatever region you're in. They're like, you could use VPN, and then I'm like, so you're still so what? Play let people let, let the small amount it's of fine. people who are using VPN use their VPN. Yeah. Like, I yeah. who cares? Yeah, just like it's gonna be fine. Yeah. 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 Weird. Yeah. It looks good. Couple more weeks. <laughs> Almost time. And then the next zombie game that you have been playing, I thought was great. And I'm so <laughs> glad that you ended up playing it. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't expect you to play this, though. So I'm glad that you did. Yeah. So I have been playing. I finished it, actually. Stubbs the Zombie. 
And so Stubbs the Zombie in Rebel Without a Pulse is what the original game is called. And it came out, I guess, in 2005 um, for the Xbox back in the day. And apparently there was a sequel that was supposed to be made and it never did. So I thought there were a whole bunch of Stubbs games, but I guess this is the only one. I'm very new to the Stubbs universe. And this is the kind of game where... If you go into it with the expectations of a normal video game, you're going to rate it like a 3 out of 10. You're going to hate it. You're not going to have a good time. But if you go into it thinking like, okay, this game is dumb. It knows it's dumb. There's a reason it's considered a cult classic. And it leans into its dumbness. You're going to fucking love it. And we, Jason and I played it because it supports split screen co-op. I don't think it supports online. But like, (laughs) we played it, it was like a seven hour game and we just loved every minute of it. So essentially you're this dude named Stubbs the Zombie and you are in this kind of futuristic 50s called Punchbowl, the city, and you are trying to reunite with this lovely woman. And it has a lot of potty humor, it has a lot of like jokes from 2005 that probably wouldn't be written into a game today. But uh, it's just really silly. And you go around and you turn civilians, you turn uh, people in the military, police officers into zombies, and you create a big zombie army and you just go forth and you you travel through buildings, through underground bunkers, all in an attempt to get to this woman. And uh, yeah, I mean, all you do is you swipe with your hands, you can scratch people, you can eat their brains, you can drive cars. And you just go through the level and like that's the basic gameplay. Like it's so basic. It's so silly. You have certain abilities where you can fart. You can throw your guts and they turn into grenades. You can roll your head like a bowling Wouldn't ball. Wouldn't that only give you a very <laughs> finite amount of, of grenades though? You would think, but I guess apparently he has. Inf- I mean, there's a lot of in- a lot of footage of intestine in your body. You definitely. That's true. Yeah, I can attest. Yeah. <laughs> there's a <laughs> lot like, of feet of intestines in your body. I know. I lost almost two feet of mine. Oh my god, that's so man. It's true. True Ooh. story. Not really. Yeah. Um, you can take off your head and roll like a bowling ball, which you can then explode upon impacts. There is like weird dance mini games. Like it's just. But I thought headshots were brute were were game over for yeah, zombies. Isn't that like the one rule they have? You would think a zombie wouldn't want to take off its own head. But yeah. subs don't give a fuck, and he does. Alright, fair enough. Yeah, This uh, zombie does not play by zombie rules. No, he does not. So yeah, I would say if you're just looking for like a super chill like easy yet fun and quirky game check out subs the zombie it's just dumb but it knows it's dumb and it <laughs> leans into it you know it's it's that thing where it doesn't try to be something it's not i think that's why it, we found it personally very entertaining if you were to look at some reviews of the remaster some people are rating it like very poorly and then you have people like me who are like i thought it was cute and fun and i did and i enjoyed it manage your expectations is what you're saying pretty much yep yeah yep yeah it's a life lesson for you yeah yes it is Yes, it is indeed. <laughs> uh, no, I saw this and I thought like, this is such a Britney game, especially when I saw like the the fart attack. I was like, this is definitely oh, that's way so good, Jason Sally. <laughs> especially when there's guys in tanks and you need to get them out of the tank. You fart, you gas them out. Somehow the, your gas gets into there. Your and they gas pop permeates out. the tank, mm-hmm. and then you Love can start it. driving the tank. It's brilliant. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Stiver, what have you been up to this week? Um, reading. And also watching The Circle on Netflix. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love The Circle. I have, we haven't started season two yet because I want to be able to binge a bunch of episodes at once. But soon. Yeah. Is it good? Is it as good as season one? It's definitely spicier than season one. Ooh. Ooh. Um, 
Brittany, do you even know what this show is? I watched The Circle at Andrea's house back in the oh, day. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I think I watched. But like for people four listening, though, if you are like, "What the heck is The Circle?" It's the original quarantine show. Um, <laughs> so before quarantine was a thing, basically, this show is you go, um, you literally go into like a little quarantine apartment. Obviously, they're like ballered out, like they're really well designed. <laughs> um, and there's eight players. Is that correct? That they, sounds right. They eight always ten? start with eight. Remember. Um, and each person makes their own social profile, but like you never see the other person. So basically the idea is you could go in as yourself or you could go in as a catfish and just try to basically make everybody like you. Um, <laughs> and what you're supposed to do is just like build connections, build relationships. And each, I don't know. It's really unclear. Like, if it's every day or every two days or like what the exact cadence is. Reality TV is murky. Yeah. Um, but basically every so often they rank each other and then you vote like the two top people become influencers and then whoever uh, they basically like decide who to block from the circle. So it's like a very political game. Um, and there's also like a lot of different games that the circle throws in to spice things up, keep things interesting. Um, so yeah, so I've been watching season two cause season one came out last year on Netflix and I just felt really bad for all those winners cause they clearly went through this whole quarantine experience and then like a oh, few yeah. months later, right into straight quarantine again. Although for, for their quarantine, they get, um, like they have a gym that they can all use. They have like a hot tub on the roof. They basically just all take turns using so that they never actually see each other. But mm. I was like that, you know, probably wouldn't be that bad. They have like a yoga room and shit. So they, they live in the good, the good quarantine life. Um, but yeah, I just find the show. I mean, the show is dumb. I'm not going to lie to you. It's really stupid. But there is something fascinating about it. I think mostly to me is one it's just, again to your point of like reality television timelines very unclear i'm like the way this is edited makes it seem as though they have like one conversation a day with somebody for about four minutes and like that's they're done they're like that's that's me building my relationship yeah i'm really you and me we're solid now because i called you my brother or my sister or whatever and now, therefore, you'll save me. I think you'll save me and whatever. I'm like, this is the most flimsy ass relationship building <laughs> I've ever seen. You yeah. talk to someone for two minutes and you're friends. You're not even I don't. So, like, I just watch it because I'm fascinated and I don't understand it. And I I just I think it's I mean, it's obviously a bunch of bullshit, but it's just. Yeah, it's fun kind of to watch still, too, because I'm like, y'all are stupid. Yeah. It's a great piece of, I don't want to call it full trash TV because I think it's actually really interesting and it's clearly a social experiment, but I like it because the isolation element really takes some of the more, um, I think, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, promiscuous is a word, but it's not quite the word I'm looking for. Hmm. Some of these reality shows just devolve into, like, people wanting to fuck each other all the time. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I watched part of, what was it, Forbidden Island, I think it was, Um, which was a mistake. I mean, that the name alone implies what it is. Um, It was just like, this is basically that people go to this island to cheat on each other. Um, And Oh, that's even worse. Like the I concept thought. of the show was that fantasy Island maybe is called, I don't remember. Um, it's 
couples go to the island together because their relationship is on the fritz for some reason oh, and the idea is that the island is either going to bring them back together or it's going to tell them yo you got to break up because they're going to get all these singles coming at them like trying to tease them and so it's either like hey this is going to strengthen us or it's going to break us and i'm like this is a terrible idea for this is show. not the test you should be doing with your relationship Fuck. no and what's interesting about the circle is that because you don't know who you're talking to i think what's great about it is that it reminds you that a lot of times when you forge relationships with people online it's the same thing you oh, don't totally. know who you're talking to you think that they're good people like is doc brooke who she says she is we don't know, Doc. Are you really a doc? Are you really a teacher? Who could say? I'm just kidding, Doc. I'm not trying to call you out. You're great. Catfish. Um, <laughs> so confession so also, for the huh? past 45 seconds, I was frozen and I did not hear a thing you said. But if I looked like I was oh. engaging in the conversation, it's because I was trying to. <laughs> so, I love how Cyber and I were just so into the we're conversation. So we did not even notice. Didn't even notice you when we weren't around. Perfect. Um, but I think like the the point I'm trying to make is why I like watching the circle is because I think it's an interesting study on how people interact with each other and they give people a chance to chat in group settings and in private one on ones yeah. obviously all virtually through like you know text chat or whatever. Um, I also whenever I watch the circle, I'm like, am I misusing every emoji that exists? I feel like I am. <laughs> There's so many where they're like, do this like the way they. I also love hearing the way people describe the different emojis because some of them just literally are like what they are they're like i would like the detective man with the hat and the glass like they they really like spell out exactly what it is yeah and some others are just like i don't know that one where it's like this and somehow i'm like i don't know what technology they're using if it's really just a person who's oh, it's definitely all yeah. post-production editing because, yeah. okay maybe because yeah i was just like this is like spot on for none of that's going in real on. time mm -mm. <laughs> um i was like that's that's nutty whatever that is but um yeah, I just, I do, it is a dumb show, but it is an interesting show. Um, and yeah, to Andrea's point, like it's it's a fun social experiment to watch because you're just like, I don't understand how you can pretend to bond with people that quickly, but everyone's just chill with it. Well, I remember the beginning of last season, I hated Joey and then I came to love Joey by the end. So I'm hoping that there's like some interesting arcs that happen yeah, this I'm season too. Yeah, I'm curious to see because, you know, Joey... Um, yeah, it was like one of the few who made it all the way through. And so I'm, I'm curious to see like who will be those people that, that come through this season. So they basically have split up the release of the, sh of the episodes. So you can't binge it all at once. Oh. Um, so the next three episodes come out, I think on the 28th and then like the finale is May 5th, I think. So, yeah, so I'm gonna have to, I have to wait to start it. You gotta, you gotta wait a little bit. I just started watching it. Cause I was like, I don't care. <laughs> this will be fine. <laughs> But like, yeah, they've the got, a, they've got a lot you. of good twists and turns, I will say. So if you're looking for like a fun, relaxing, um, like kind of trashy reality TV show, I highly recommend The Circle. <laughs> they yeah. do still like, to your point that you're like, everyone's trying to get into each other's planets. I'm like, they do go from zero to 100 flirting really quickly, though, for some of them. Yeah. It depends on the pairing, but um, it's even funnier than when one's a catfish. Like, I just love it so much. Oh, I don't. Now, do they ever meet? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. well, so oh. here's how it, how it works. So if you get blocked, you get to go meet one person of your choosing. Um, and then we, you, you basically create a video on your way out mm. that will show the rest of the players, whether or not you're a real person, whether or not you're a catfish, whatever. Mm. Um, and then at the very end, the very, very end, at least this is from season one. I obviously don't know how they're going to handle it for season two. Um, 
they basically did, I think it was the top three or top four. I don't remember the number. They all had a, a, a dinner where they met. I think it was the final four. Oh. Yeah, I think so. Um, and they all had a dinner where they finally met and then, yeah, like learned who was a catfish and who wasn't. All the voting had been tallied by then. Yeah. And so, so there they were was like, it's fine. You just get you, now you get to meet. Ooh, people were like, what? You're not who you said you were. <laughs> like, nope. No. Yeah. Part of the game. Rebecca. Yeah. Rebecca. Look at you, Rebecca. Yep. Rebecca, They're- not a Rebecca. No. Mm. Was in fact not Rebecca. <laughs> and apparently not a real relationship. They broke up like immediately after the show. <laughs> he was pretending to be his girlfriend, Rebecca. Oh. Yeah, a lot of them, like, if you're catfishing somebody, it needs to be somebody you actually know in real life, I assume, to, like, legally sign off on the release of all your photos uh, and all that kind of stuff. Um, okay. So whenever anyone's, everyone's like, I'm a catfish, but, like, this is my friend, this is my boyfriend, this is my girlfriend, okay. this is my husband, my wife, whatever. Like, it is somebody That's that right. they know in real life. They aren't using photos of some random person on the internet. But I okay. thought that one guy used, like, some male models photos. Which one? Oh my gosh, what was his name? The blonde At least guy. So far in season two, that's never there's never been a model. It's always been somebody that they know. That probably makes sense. They probably also don't want people like they don't don't probably don't want like an Instagram model that people can go look up. Yeah, because yeah. um. So what's funny? I'll tell like this one bit because it's the very beginning, and you'll see her. Uh, so you were talking about like the the trash, the really trashy TV shows all about sex. So. There was another Netflix show, which I never watched, but it's called Too Hot to Handle. I definitely saw it on my, like, recommended, and I was like, no, I'm not watching that. Um, <laughs> but basically, the idea there is, like, a bunch of hot people to an island, but if they touch each other, they lose money. Um, so, yeah. So, that's that's that thing. Oh. She apparently only won, like, $10 on that show. She, <laughs> she did not do well. Atta but girl. she's on the circle now. She's one of the original people, or she's one of the first people who comes in on the circle. And this I, guy. I do think she's funny. Alex Lake. I thought that was that not his. He didn't know him. I don't think so. Hmm. I couldn't. Okay. I guess I just in my head. I assumed that he did, but <laughs> you're, you might be right. Maybe he just picked a, picked a model. Yeah. Anywho, it's a, it's a fun show. Yes, <sighs> now I want to go start watching it. Sorry. <laughs> but it's, I just find it like fun, like unwind time. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, good. It's great. You know, Always looking for some chill downtime. And that's going to do it for our show for this week. Thank you so much to everybody for stopping by, whether you're on your favorite podcast app or you're at youtube.com slash what's good games or you're at patreon.com slash what's good games or maybe you're at roosterteeth.com watching our show. We appreciate all of the support. As Britt mentioned in the announcements, you can check out our VODs from both the Resident Evil Showcase and the Dice Awards over on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash what's good games. And we'll be back next week with another show. It's going to be excellent, everybody. All right. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you next time. Bye.